I be, how do I be a person? How do I be a healthy, helpful, and whole person in our world? I asked this question for the first time when I was 19 years old. I had no answer to give to the person who asked. It's a fundamental question. How do I be a healthy, helpful, whole person in the world? Jesus, as he grew, it said he grew in wisdom, stature, in favor with God, in favor with man. And for the next few weeks, we're going through these four pillars. Last week, we talked about how, last week we talked about how Christ grew in wisdom. And so as a church, we are doing things to grow in wisdom. We are reading the Proverbs together. Today's the 15th of January. So today, we read Proverbs chapter 15. Tomorrow's the 16th. So we read Proverbs chapter 16. It's very, even if you miss a day, it's easy to know where we're at. Look at the day of the week. You got it. We're reading Proverbs for the next three months. We want to get God's wisdom in your head. Now, having God's wisdom in your head doesn't make, mean you'll do the right thing, but at least you'll have the right information. You'll have God's wisdom in there when you face the decisions. We also are doing a book club. Reading a book called The Life You've Always Wanted. Here's the old ghetto version. The new cover is way nicer. There's like grass on it. It's awesome. Um, this Tuesday we're meeting at noon on Facebook. We just one through six. If anyone wants this book, it's an extra one. First come, first serve. It's right here. Oh, dang, you're too slow. <laughs> um, so that's wisdom. But Jesus, Jesus grew in wisdom. He also grows in stature. What is stature? Stature is a word in the Bible which means maturity. And it's often used to describe physical maturity. We see, Jesus, as he went from a baby to a man, he had to grow up physically, didn't he? He had to get taller. He had to go through puberty. He had to learn how to work. He became a carpenter, and it said he swung a hammer. He essentially, uh, most historians believe that Joseph, his stepfather, died. Because you don't see him ever again. You see him when he, in the, 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 the birth story, but when Christ is, is a, a man, Joseph's nowhere to be found. Most historians think he has died somewhere in that life. Christ becomes the, the caretaker, the worker. Christ learns to work. In his ministry, he walks everywhere he goes. He physically matures through his life. And so we're given this reality. Christ grew physically. How do we grow physically? How do we mature physically? How do I be a person? Because being a person is wisdom, my mind, but it's also my body. Now, the world we live in has a lot of lies about our body. The first lie. I know, dude. The first lie is the Western lie. We live in the West, in America. And the Western lie is this. The West, America, we believe our body is everything. That every impulse I have should be indulged. I remember watching The Matrix when I was in college. And in The Matrix, a character says, to deny what makes, to deny what we want is to deny what makes us human. So in the culture we live in now, they say, if your body has a desire, you give your body what it wants. To deny yourself anything is 
abuse. It's bad. So we live in a world that says our body, the, in the West, we say the body is everything. Our body, our pleasure, it's everything. In the West, in our world, the spiritual, it comes against our wants. It imprisons us, so we're trying to overthrow the spiritual and just do what we want and be free to truly just indulge any emotion we have. That's the Western lie. Your body is everything. The Eastern lie flips it. The Eastern lie is your body is nothing which is best summarized by the great teacher Yoda, who once said, Luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. In the Eastern world, they believe this body is nothing. I'm truly spirit. I need to, I need to really overcome this body and reach nirvana, reach enlightenment, and then I'll be truly at peace. The physical is an illusion. It's not real. The only true real is what's out there. Also a lie. So what's the truth? What does God say about our bodies? We must know what God thinks about our bodies to know how to grow physically. So you go to 1 Corinthians 6, and it says this in verse 19. Or do you not know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, that you are not your own? Your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit. This bombshell sentence means something. You see, the sanctuary of God on earth, it begins in the garden. God dwells with humanity in the garden. Well, then that is lost through disobedience. Humanity is separate from God. They cannot find one another. We can't find him, I should say. But then God, in his kindness, takes a step towards us. He tells his people, build a tent in the wilderness, and I will dwell with you there. So they build this tent, this sanctuary of the meeting. And as the, as the uh, Israelites walk around, they say there's this like, Visible cloud in the air. It's a cloud by day. It looks like fire at night. It's this glowing, amorphous thing, and it moves. And it's God's visible presence. And when it stops, you stop. And you build the tent, set it all up, and that glory will just come down and live in the tent. And then you know that God is among us. God is near us. God lives in our, in our campsite. The 12 tribes camp around God's tent. God's in the midst of us, in the middle of our home. Well, time goes on, and Israel stops being nomadic. They get a nation, they get land, and they build a temple with brick and mortar and gold and big old cedars from Lebanon. The temple is, I heard something to behold, it's beautiful. But Rome burns that thing to the ground. If you go to Israel right now, there is no temple. It's gone. But there's a cornerstone. And people go to it every day, and they cry upon that rock. You've heard of this? They call it the Wailing Wall. People come and they cry and put prayers in the brick. Because our Jewish brothers, they think, we cannot meet with God because God's house has been torn down. We cannot meet him because he's gone. 
They long for the temple to be rebuilt. They have a place to be with God. So they put these prayers in these bricks and pray, God, rebuild your temple so you can once again come into your presence. Here's a crazy thing about that. Every day, a guy goes through the, the wailing wall, pulls out every prayer under the ground, they sweep them up, and throw them away. It's too much paper. It would be, they would be crazy. So people think, well, how, who does this help? It seems tragic, don't it? It seems, it seems like a tragedy. But we learn from God's word that God does not live in a house made with human hands. I don't have to go to Israel to encounter the God of the universe. Now listen, for my 20th anniversary, my wife and I have been married 20 years, end of the year, and it's our hope to go to Israel. We might go to that wall and see where the temple once stood and know, man, all the stories are true. Here's where Christ walked, here's where he prayed, here's where he was crucified, I might see it all. But I don't have to go there to meet him. Because God no longer dwells on a hill in Jerusalem. God has made his home where? In the hearts of those who love him. It says, do you not know that your body, this physical thing that I have, is the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit? We are his house. If you love the Christ, you are in him and he is in you. That's freaky, dude. I remember one day, our church sent a, uh, a mission of mercy to Texas after a hurricane down to Corpus Christi, right? And I, took, I bought a van, filled that van with like wheelbarrows and shovels and chainsaws, I was going to drive that van to Texas, sign it over to the church down there, give them all that gear and fly home. That was the plan. So I'm loading the van up. I'm pumped to drive. I love driving. Free one for you. When I drove down to uh, Texas that time, I literally listened to Toto's Africa for three hours on repeat. That's a free one for you. Can you screw over for me, brother? Can you screw over for me, brother? Better sit in the front row. Can you screw over towards Miss Paula? Thank you so much. So I drive to Texas, right? I'm going to go to Texas and bring this, this van down. As I'm loading the van up and loading these chainsaws, I have this thought. I really want a chainsaw. I thought to myself, you know what? I'm driving this down to these people. If I took a chainsaw, this would be my payment for the good that I'm about to do. Right? You know what they call that? Temptation. I think to myself, you know, nobody would know. I mean, I picked up the, the donations. I'm loading the van. No one would know if I just ganked one and put it in my garage. Sorry, ganked, uh, stolen, if I stole one. It's a little hood talk for you. The temptation come, ignore, and I'm like, if Angie asked me, I'll just lie to her so she's not in sin too. How thoughtful is that? And in that moment of temptation, the Lord just moves. And the Lord's like, I see you. And I was like, man. He's in there. 
moving, prodding, leading. I can lie to my wife and lie to the church. I can't lie to him. You can't lie to him. He sees and he knows. His Holy Spirit makes his home in all of us. And because he makes his home in this thing, this is his temple. He owns it. So what I do with this matters. He says, because he lives here, glorify God with the body he gave you. Honor God with the body he gave you. What does that mean? How do we grow physically? How do we honor God in this life with the body he gave us? Now, a lot of Christians, they love to use this principle to tell you not to smoke. That's, that's, that's the only thing I've ever heard. I've always, I, I, I always hear it about smoking. Your body's a temple. Don't smoke. It's way bigger than that, okay? I'm not even I'm not talking about smoking today. I'm not going to pick one sin I don't do and punch you with it. That's what pastors do a lot. The sin I don't do is the bad one. That's not what we're doing today. We have, we have to punch ourselves in the face. We have to let God grab us. In this, in this passage, the verse I read saying that our body is the sanctuary of the Holy Spirit, he begins with the principle that we must apply to our bodies. And this principle is so much bigger than don't smoke. It's so much bigger. Listen, I'm not demonizing smoking, okay? If you smoke, you're not in trouble today. I'm just giving an example, okay? Don't freak out. This passage begins with this powerful principle. In verse 12, it says, All things are lawful for me, but not all things are profitable. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be mastered by anything. Which means I am free. This body he gave me, I'm free to use it. I can tattoo it. I don't mean to look at you, Tony. I'm sorry. <laughs> He's like, dang straight. <laughs> you can tattoo it. You can, I don't know, you can change your hair color. Free. My daughter's not here, thank the Lord. She's been asking me, she's been asking me for like years to change her hair color. I'm like, I can't do it yet. I can't. Uh, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. So we're free. We have freedom in Christ. Listen, when you're crazy, you're free to smoke. Seriously. Not a sin. Ooh. I'm serious. Free to drink. Not a sin. He says, all things are permissible. All things are lawful. All, all things are allowed for me to do. But, but, not all things are profitable. Not all things are helpful. And he says, I will not be mastered by anything. So if something grabs you and owns you, all of a sudden, that's bad for you. I said, I'm going to go, that alcohol is not a sin. If you are a recovering alcoholic, you cannot drink. Because it will master you, won't it? That fast. It's why I can't drink, because I'm like, I have that inclination. When I'm stressed, the thought still comes up. 
man, I need a drink. Like, it still happens. And I do everything too much. If I, if I get a new hobby like board games, I buy 15 board games. <laughs> if I decide I want to, like, make our, our a TV a better entertainment center, I get a new TV, new surround. Like, if I go, I go big. If I start drinking again, I don't know where you'd find me. All things are allowable for me, but all things are profitable. When it comes to our body, this is the principle we must understand, that our body is a gift from the Lord. We have a lot of freedom. But the principle is we must balance freedom with self-control. There are some things that are not evil that are bad for us. When I say bad for us, I mean bad for us individually. There are some freedoms I can partake in that you cannot because of how God made you. There's some freedoms you can enjoy that I cannot because I'm weak in those ways. Now, in this path, that's a very big, up high principle. Let's apply it to our bodies. And he does apply to our bodies. This is the first application. Food is for the stomach, and the stomach is for food, but God will do away with both of them. This line, food is for the stomach and the stomach for food, is an old parable in that culture. And Paul is saying that's not true. People in that world, they, in the Roman world, they have a thing called vomitoriums. You ever heard of this? Vomitoriums? The Romans would have these parties, they would eat until they were so sick they would throw up and then eat some more. Complete indulgence. I have to call it, I won't be that, well, it's, it's basically a really gross golden corral. <laughs> right? Eat as much as you can, vomit, eat some more. They completely indulge every desire. But here's the reality. The first thing he applies the principle to is the food. And in America, we have to hear this. I have to hear this. I'll tell you why. I don't drink. I don't smoke. I don't gamble. I don't curse. Any of the bad words? <laughs> I can't lie from the pulpit. <laughs> I mean, but uh, you know what is my go-to coping mechanism? Food, yo. And the, the more gross, the better. Fry it, put cheese on it, put gravy on it, and give me two of them. That's, that's where I, listen, if I have a bad day, you know what makes it better? DQ, make it better. I'm, I'm, I'm being, I'm being silver, I'm being realistic to you. For me, food is a coping mechanism. There's a scene in The Night Professor with Eddie Murphy where he's crying watching TV and he pours a thing of M&M's in his mouth and just overflows and I started laughing and I started crying because I'm like, oh, it's so true. I am free. God made food as a gift. But to abuse it and put your body into unhealth, it's not good for this body God gave us. Me and my kids were watching Superman, the 1978 version, Christopher Reeves, 
And in the movie, if you remember, Christopher uh, Superman's dad has a heart attack and dies. Right? And Superman can't save his father because Superman has all this power, but he can't stop death. Very potent lesson. But kids ask me, Dad, what happened? Oh, he had a heart attack. What's a heart attack? Oh, it just means his heart stopped. They'll ask me, Dad, will you ever have a heart attack? And I just sat there because I know I'm living an unhealthy lifestyle. Straight up. And I know where this goes, right? John Candy, a great comedian of our day, fell down dead because his heart couldn't handle the extra weight he put on it. I'm not trying to guilt anyone. I'm just talking openly, okay? The things we put in our body, even if we're allowed to, we just have questions, is this good for the thing God gave me? If you're a smoker, is it good for you? If you're doing drugs, even if they're legal, marijuana's legal now, right? Is it good for you? Does it, does it help your body? And here's the deal. A lot of the things God gave us were given to us for good. I'm not saying marijuana is bad. It can be medicinally incredible. People have cancer, can bring back their appetite. Praise be to God. But medicinal usage of a thing and abuse are different. People always tell me the thing. I'm gonna, I might as well just be a, let's do it. Oh, it comes from the ground. It does. So do hamburgers. <laughs> Doesn't mean a billion is good. My doc, this uh, last December, two months ago, one month ago, I don't know, then, I went to the doc, and the doc said, Ernesto, your cholesterol is high. Now, I used to play sports when I was in high school and college, and that youthful strength has let me be unhealthy for 20 years. I've, I've been just, like, phoning it for 20 years, and my, like, college body just took care of all the crap I did to it. And the doc finally said, Ernesto, you have outran that college guy. And your cholesterol's bad. I'm like, what do I do? He goes, well, we can give you these pills every day, or we can change the way you live. Like, what does it mean, doc? He goes, no more hamburgers and no more fries. That, that, that dude, that's a, that's a hard, <laughs> give me the pills. Listen, listen, <laughs> listen. I, listen, I feel you. I feel, listen. I was in a hospital room years ago, and a, a friend of mine had a heart attack. The doc told me to change what you eat. The, and the doc left. There's this man, his wife, holding his hand as he almost died. The doc saved him. The doc says, you got to change the way you live, man. Your heart is weak. It's been hurt by this attack. you got to change the way you live, change what you eat. The doc leaves, and just me, him, and his wife, he just goes, I ain't doing none of that. I ain't doing none of that. He said, I'd rather die they deny my body what it craves. Whew. Listen. For the last two months, I've only had one hamburger. And that one was for the devil. <laughs> it was! I went to McDonald's, got nugs for the fam. They gave me a free Big Mac. And I was like, the devil is real. Uh, but the point I'm saying is this. If we want to grow in physical maturity, to be a person in the world, our bodies have to function. 
If we abuse this thing, if we abuse this thing, with some drugs can hurt our brain, can't they? Alcohol can hurt our livers. Smoke can crush our lungs. And eating unhealthy food can make our bodies not run right. And listen, I understand. I'm not saying go for the six-pack. I'm saying if you, have a, if, you, if you are indulging every one of your body's desires, you, in order to grow physically, you've got to grab that and stop the train and submit even your desires before the Lord. If I, if, if I'm being personal, if, if, if my coping mechanism is to just abuse food and eat copious amounts of it, maybe when that stress hits, instead of stress eating, I need to pray. Maybe that's a question, where's the stress coming from? And what can I do to alleviate it? Instead of covering it, maybe I should face it. The first thing he mentions is food. And a lot of us have unhealthy relationships with food. I buried a friend in college who was anorexic and would not eat. From the time they caught it, by the time anyone had the, no one was, no one spoke to her and said, "Don't do this thing to yourself." Her view of her body was so broken she just wouldn't eat, and no one, was, everyone was afraid to talk to her about it. And one day she passed out at school, and the doctor basically said her body has started eating itself, and we can't reverse it. And we lost her. You can be healthy and not a model. I'm not saying be Brad Pitt. Okay? I won't mention a girl's name because I don't want to get in trouble. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm not saying you got to be a, what's a fashion magazine nowadays? Women's, I don't know. Cosmo. You've got to be on Cosmo. But you don't got to be a model, but we, we can, being healthy is not a bad thing. And growing in maturity Sometimes means I gotta keep this thing God gave me healthy. I gotta go to India next month. If I don't take care of this thing God gave me, my body won't be able to endure the heat and the walking and the pain of that place. Right? I gotta take care of this thing so I can go and endure physical hardship for the sake of the gospel. It's a gospel issue. I don't want to die when I'm 50 because my heart is pumping like a steaking 150cc crazy engine. So food. I have freedom. But in Christ we must practice self-control. The, the Bible says, he's not given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of self-control. It says one of the fruit of the spirit is self-control. Now food is not the only one though. Food is one of them. Then he says, listen to this. He says, food is for the stomach, but for food. God will do away with both of them. Yet the body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord is for the body. He talks about intimacy. I'm not going to go too far because there's kids in the room. And I want to be very respectful of parents and how they raise their children. But we live in a culture, because the culture believes 
the body is everything, our culture believes that sexual desire is what makes us who we are. And it's not true. We are more than our urges. Our culture says it's your body, experiment with it, use it for fun. But here's the reality our culture also has said that physical intimacy means nothing, it's just for fun. And I have been witness to an amazing pile of data from atheists who are saying it's not nothing. I've got a book in my office right now called The Case Against the Sexual Revolution. And this woman, who's not a Christian, is writing about how many young women she has to talk to in counseling because they've been lied to that intimacy is nothing. They've tried to basically... They've tried to live the culture's lie, and it has destroyed them. It has destroyed their hearts and their spirits. The lie is awful. When you divorce intimacy from personhood, it's a monster. And we as Christians believe it. We believe, a lot of us just think, well, if it feels good, do it. We quote Woody Allen who says, what the heart wants the heart wants. We have affairs, we commit adultery. We indulge fakery on the internet. And even call it good and healthy. And it's killing us. It's killing our boys. They wonder why Incidence of rape is rising in American colleges. If, you, if, if boys watch that internet stuff and think women are only good for this, why wouldn't they abuse and take? The lies are killing us. Intimacy is not an evil thing. I don't let churches say intimacy is bad. Intimacy is a gift from the Lord. It's a gift from the Lord. Connecting with someone in a physical way, but it's not nothing. It means something. I'm reading this book by an atheist who has no regard for God, and she says, sexual intimacy must be, must be about more than mere consent it must see the other person as an actual person. Not just something to be used and discarded. Because we're not just bodies. We're bodies and souls. The lies of our culture are hard to, uh, to overcome. They're hard to overcome. But the fact of the matter is, Christ, we see in Christ that his, he grew physically, he matured physically. And what I want to say to us very simply this day is, this body God gave us, it's not nothing, okay? 
We have to live in this thing for a while. If we use and abuse it, in the future it will limit our ability to be gospel givers. I have, I have a bad knee. I have a limp. I blew my knee out in college. It ended my football career. Well, it wasn't much of a career, but it ended my aspirations, you could say. <laughs> I wouldn't call intramural football at Moody. Triple <laughs> A? No, 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 man. Triple Z. Uh, but before then, I was very physically active, and I enjoyed um, a lot of things. I blew my knee out, I didn't go to the doctor about it. I just thought, ah, doctors, I don't need this crap. And the knee got worse and worse and worse. I wore a brace on it, even with the brace. When the, the ACL was torn, and over time, as the, it ground, because there's no cord holding it, it started grinding. It ground that, was it tell, I don't know what thing is, it ground that thing in the middle out of there. One of the other cords on the side snapped. When I went in, finally, the doctor called me an idiot. You're an idiot. I was like, professionally? Like, professional opinion, I'm an idiot. <laughs> if I had come in when it first happened, you got to put, put three holes, three little X's, right? What do they call that thing when they put the little orthoscopic? Instead, open the whole knee, new knee. It's, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a half robot down there. And, it, it, and it's weak because I abused it and didn't take care of it. It limits me, among other things, my, my daughter loves basketball. Because of a bad knee and a bad diet, I can't play with her. This body God gave us is not nothing. Christ grew in wisdom, but he also grew physically. And I want to encourage you. If you're here, we, we have two examples. There's more examples than that. Maybe you're a workaholic. Not good. Maybe you're a lazy sack of potatoes. Not good. This body God gave us, we can't abuse. If food, like, like me and food, is one of your idols, we have to fight it. We have to fight it. If you're here, and intimacy is one of your idols. Or whenever you have a, a stinking physical desire, you just feed it. You, you have to say no to that. It will burn you down. Because the thing about sensual desire, you can never fill it. It's like an addiction. You feed it, and it gets, and it gets hungrier and hungrier and hungrier. And before you know it, you're going places and doing things you never dreamed you would do. So we have started some initiatives with wisdom. With wisdom, we're reading Proverbs. We're doing a book club. What initiatives are we going to do physically as a church to encourage us to grow in our bodies? Well, I'm going to say this to you. It's a very personal thing for everyone. I would encourage you to think of two things in your life. What is something in your physical life that you need to stop? And what is something in your physical life you need to start? What's something in your life you need to put down? I've got to put this down. I put down hamburgers two months ago. Which just sounds silly, but for me that means fast food. That means I have to get my cholesterol under control. I don't want to be on pills the rest of my life. I don't. 
And the doc told me, he said to me, I'll give you six months, he told me, no one ever does it. People are told their heart attacks change, and we don't change. We rather die than deny ourselves. And the way of Christ is we deny ourselves. We mortify the flesh. Put something down and pick something up. What's something my body needs? I'm not giving it. Do you need more sleep? You need exercise because you're, in your life you're very sedentary, sitting down all day at a work in an office space? What do you need to give your body? Maybe it's rest, maybe it's exercise, maybe it's vegetables. I don't know what you need to give it. You ask yourself the question. Ask your partner the question. What is something you think I'm missing in my, my body? What should I put down? What should I pick up for the glory of the Lord? Not for a six-pack. Not to be the best looking dude or girl in the world, but for the Lord, for the kingdom. What do I need to lay down and what do I need to pick up? Talk to a friend. That's it. Let us honor God with our bodies. He only gave us one. Let us honor God with the bodies he gave us. Let it. I didn't do offerings. With all that, don't you want to give some money to the Lord? <laughs> I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward, and we're going to give. Thank you, Brother Roy. We're going to, we're going to pray the pass the buckets. Let us pray together. God in heaven, uh, this was a hard talk for us. It was you, Lord, you grew in your body. You were so wise in every way. You prepared your body for the journey ahead, for the walking and even the dying. Lord God, move in our hearts that we would not believe the lie of our culture. This body is merely a pile of urges to be satisfied. It's seen this body as a temple where you dwell, Lord. You live in this thing. You live in us. Where we go, you go. Help us to glorify you even in this body of flesh you've given us, Lord, that we may have a healthy, whole, and helpful life. Bless this gift as it goes. In Christ's name we ask these things. Amen.